Turn in your Bible. We read together this morning. Six verses from the book of 1 Samuel. And chapter 28. 1 Samuel. And chapter 28. Beginning to read at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, this pagan idolater with whom David had associated himself, Achish said unto David, Know thou surely that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David, in a moment of prowess and somewhat subtility, David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all of Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by your own, nor by prophets. Turn again, if you will, please, in your hymn book number 402 stand with me please and sing with me number 402 Lord I Thy word, my choice, my lasting heritage. There shall my noblest powers rejoice, my warmest thoughts engage. I'll read the histories of thy love. And keep thy laws inside While through the promises I rule 
from our studies in the judges of Israel from those first five verses in chapter 13. In that message, we saw Israel at a time in their national and spiritual life, a time at which they were crushed under oppression from God's enemies. And that judgment, that crushing, was by God's appointment, by God's judgment. We saw them in that text in Judges 13 in need of a deliverer, which only God could supply. In that message, you'll recall, I detailed from the text God's terms, conditions, if you please, in order for that deliverance. We saw in that message that four particular terms marked out in those first verses in chapter 13. I said to you, number one, that the cost of sin must be exacted. And we saw that in that text. Sin's cost must be exacted. I said to you, secondly, that God's sovereignty must be acknowledged. We saw that in that text. I said to you that as a condition, the utter helplessness of Israel must be realized. And we saw that in that text. And finally, I pointed you to the fact that God's law must be obeyed. And we saw that in that text. But in that text, all of these conditions were met. The historical record detailed for us in those six simple verses that those 
conditions had been met. But now today, I want us to move from that text, but not from that theme. Only briefly to consider another, which I have contemplated now for several months. I'd like us to see this morning yet another similar time in Israel's history. Somewhat later than that recorded in the book of Judges, but identical in its circumstances. In fact, it is identical in many of its details. As we open to this text here in 1 Samuel chapter 28, like that in Judges chapter 13, Israel is again in grave danger. And that from the exact same enemy, the Philistines. The army that's being amassed against Israel here in this text is enormous. Scholars of ancient Israel's history tell us that this particular army at this particular time was more than capable of effecting a complete victory over the divided and weakened forces of Israel at this time. David, her greatest champion, had not only deserted her ranks, but had attached himself to her enemies and effectively joined forces with their cause. Israel was no longer under the government of the wise judges that we see in the book of Judges, but had prostrated herself under a single king and that, a man of vain and self-serving character, ever oscillating and always unprincipled, Saul. It is here that we find Israel again when our text opens in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. Israel is in need of deliverance again, which only God could supply. And one man, in contrast to our studies in the book of Judges, one man here is at the helm of the ship of state. One vain and unholy usurper. We saw last week in Judges 13 that God sovereignly moved himself. And I pressed the matter. I pressed that point to your heart that God sovereignly moved himself to set about Israel's deliverance 
But here, here, the matter is quite different. Here we find in verse 6, God is silent. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. Oh, here in this place, the scene is quite different. In Judges 13, God moved himself to speak and comes out and speaks to a little woman about a deliverer he intends to send. But when we come to this chapter, God is silent. And so now, unlike that precious scene yonder in Judges 13, what is it that we see here? Or could I just detail it for you? Number one, what we see here, when God is silent, what we see is peril without consolation. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. Verse 4, the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched at Shimon. There is a great peril here without any consolation for Israel. The army, as I have already said to you, historians tell us this army was colossal, well capable of Israel's decimation. Sin, pride in the heart of Saul and a Idolatry in the hearts of God's people. Sin had destroyed the army and the, the national power with God. David is gone. And one might say to use an expression that the lion was at the door and the door was wide open. The lion was at the door. The door was wide open. What we see in this scene is peril, peril, without any consolation, without any protection. Can I just say to you this morning, this is the inevitable plight of the self-serving sinner whose pride has set him right, ripe for God's judgment. This is the inevitable plight of every self-serving sinner whose pride has set him right for God's judgment. He's in a crisis. He's in peril. And there's no consolation. There's no source for deliverance. Oh, can you see Saul here? Can you see Saul in this text? Can you see Saul in this text? Facing this Great peril with absolutely no consolation. Oh, I said it was peril without consolation. Can I just give you some other places in the scriptures? You don't have to turn there. Some other places in the scripture where we find this similar description. I hope you hear me. I hope you hear me with your heart this morning. 
peril, without consolation. Isaiah 32 verse 9, Paul says, Rise up. The prophet said, Rise up, ye women that are at ease. Hear my voice, ye careless daughters. Give ear unto my speech. Many days and years shall ye be troubled, ye careless women. For the vintage shall fail, the gathering shall not come. Tremble, ye women that are at ease. Be troubled, ye careless ones. Strip you and make you bare girt sackcloth upon your loins. They shall lament for the heat, for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars. Yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city, because the palaces shall be forsaken. The multitude of the city shall be left. The forts and the towers shall be dens forever. A joy for wild asses. Desolation will come, he says, without any comfort, without any consolation. Isaiah again preaching chapter 43 and verse 10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, and I have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am He. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall live it? There's none that will deliver out of my hand. Again, in the same prophet in chapter 63, in verse 3, he said, I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger. I'll trample them in my fury. Their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all of my raiment with their blood. Oh, Isaiah 65 verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire. And his chariots like a whirlwind to, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. What am I talking about? I'm talking about peril without consolation. That's what I'm talking about. The psalmist talked about it in chapter 73 and verse 18. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into destruction? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. Ezekiel talked about it in chapter 8 and verse 18. Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not Hear them peril without consolation. Oh, but the Lord had warned them. He'd warned them. He warned us. He's warned us here in this congregation. You've heard me declare from this pulpit time and time and time and time again. 
again. The Lord will not spare when he moves in judgment. It warned them in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. What curses? Verse 16 and following. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Consolation is nowhere to be found. Verse 20, the Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doing whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land where thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with consumption with a fever, with an inflammation, with an extreme burning, with the sword, with the blasting, with mildew. They shall pursue thee until thou perish. Thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. And the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them and shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Thy carcass shall be meat unto all the fowls of the air and unto the beasts of the earth and no man, no man, no man, no man shall fray them away. The Lord shall smite with the botch of Egypt with the emeralds, with the scab, with the itch, and whereof thou canst not be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness, with blindness, with astonishment of heart, and thou shalt grope at noonday as a blind man gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy way. Thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. You see, it's a dark picture pastor this is a dark picture I'm sick of hearing it I want you to know this morning there's a place for the sinner where there is no consolation God will curse everything everything where will you hide where will you hide when God sends his armies verse 1 of our text where, sinner, will you hide when God sends his armies? Peril without consolation. That's the first thing we see here. When God is silent. Peril without consolation. But secondly, I see in this text a prophet. Prophet without comfort. <laughs> 
Well, there's a prophet without comfort here. Verse 3. Why is that? Why is he without comfort for Israel? I thought the prophets were sent to comfort Israel. Why do we have a prophet without comfort? Verse 3. Because he's dead. Samuel is dead. There's a prophet here without consolation. Oh, can I tell you, this is the ultimate. This is the ultimate curse. God took away his mouthpiece. 1 Samuel 25 verse 1 and Samuel died. Uh, uh, yes, 1 Samuel 25 verse 1 and Samuel died. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And then we turn to verse 3 of chapter 28 and here it is again. Now Samuel was dead. I said it's a prophet without comfort. Oh, here's a great tragedy. No prophet. Hosea chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night and I will destroy thy mother my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God I will also forget thy children Verse 12 of the same text. My people ask counsel at their stocks and their staff declareth unto them for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err. and They have gone whoring from under their God. They sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills under the oaks and poplars and elms because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredom and your spouses shall commit adultery. Verse 16, for Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them with a lamb, as a lamb in a large place. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. No prophet. The prophet is dead. Oh, listen to me. The hour comes, O sinner. The hour comes when there will never again be any voice from God. Samuel is dead. God will no longer sound in your ears. When you could have heard, you stopped your ears. Filled your mind with the lusts and pleasures of this world and, and ignored God and shut out His voice. Well, I assure you, the day will come when you won't be bothered with that anymore. There'll be no voice from God. God is silent. 
Oh, what a terrible place to be. What a terrible place to be. Samuel is dead. And God is silent. Our Lord had this to say to calloused sinners in his own day on this earth. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 20, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. You didn't want to hear when you could. The day's coming. You won't be troubled with it anymore. With having to hear it. God is silent. But I give you thirdly from this text the pain of a conscience without a covering. There's the peril of consolation. Sorry, peril without consolation. There's a prophet without comfort. There's pain without a covering. Verse 5. Listen to this. Saul saw the host of the listings and he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. Oh, oh, the terror to see God's unadulterated, unmitigated, unbridled Raw justice will cause the heart to tremble and fall in terror. Saul looked out and saw the army. And Saul understood that David was gone. And Saul understood that Samuel is dead. And he's got nothing to turn to. And God is not speaking to him. I'm telling you, there's pain without a covering. Oh yes, Saul had seen victories in other places against these very Philistines in times before. But now, God has forsaken him. And guilt, guilt has eaten him. And he trembles. He's afraid. You know that I look up every word in every text that I preach from. And I'm not trying, certainly not in this hour, in this solemn hour, not trying to be cute or funny. 
But you know the simple truth is that word in the Hebrew, that word tremble, it just means exactly that. It means to shake. To tremble. What's wrong with him? Pain of conscience without any covering. Oh, as I read this text, I wonder, I wonder what he's thinking now about the perverse greed that has consumed his life. I wonder what Saul is thinking now about his foolhardy hatred for David chasing him all over the mountains instead of fighting the enemies of God. I wonder what he's thinking now about his callous indifference to God's law. I wonder what he's thinking now. I'll tell you what. He's afraid and he's trembling. Oh, sinner, listen to me. Saint, listen to me. This is the worm conscience. Guilty conscience. This is the worm that gnaws the very soul of the smitten sinner in hell. Memory. Guilty conscience. <laughs> Mark chapter 9, verse 43. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. For it's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter in halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The Hebrew, the Greek word there, there, T-H-E-I-R, the Greek word altos. It's theirs. It's the very self-same one. It is their own worm. Their worm. Not just worms. <laughs> No, their worm. Altos worm. Dies not. Oh, here's the pain. The pain of a guilty conscience without a cup. But now notice with me in this text one other trait when God is silent. Listen now. There are petitions without counsel. Or if you prefer, pleadings without comfort. There are petitions without counsel. Look at verse 6. And Saul inquired of the Lord. The Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. 
Dreams were a common method, by the way, back in these times, in the times before there was a completed revelation. Dreams were a common method for God to speak to men, give them direction. Urim was that implement God had created for their direction and help. But you see, Urim was gone because Abiathar was gone with David and took the Urim with him. Oh, and prophets. Listen, Samuel's dead, but there's still a school of the prophets. And the school of the prophets was very nearby where Saul is right at this moment. But God is not speaking to them either. Verse 6, Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Europe, nor by prophets. God is not speaking. Oh, how desperate are the pleas for a sinner or for a saint when God is not speaking. Desperate. 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 Some may think, oh, I'll never, I'll never be desperate. I'll never be begging God. You just wait till he turns his arms loose. Just wait till he turns his arms loose. Isaiah 59 and verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I'm talking about pleadings. I'm talking about petitions that go up without counsel coming back. Pleadings, petitions without counsel, without comfort. Oh, listen to me. The heavens are brass and the heart is shut out into the cold when God is not speaking to you. Hmm. I've seen in my life very few. But I've seen a few cases where men said, Preacher, I, I want to be saved. But when I try to pray, God, God is not listening. Oh, my dear friend, that's a desperate place to be. Whether you're a sinner or a saint, my people, he said, that verse I just text, I just read you. My people. My people. Destroy it for lack of knowledge. Oh, pleadings. Pleadings without comfort. Pleadings without comfort. When God is not speaking. Finally this morning, I would point our hearts to one more condition. One more condition that characterizes a time 
when God is silent. One more condition that characterizes a time when God is silent. Number five, there's piety without convictions. Hmm. Piety without conviction. Verse 3, and the latter part of that verse, and Saul had put away, had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. But look with me at verse 7. Then said Saul unto his servant, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. You see, Saul had passed the law. Saul had external piety in his dealings with these wizards. But the reality is he had no real conviction in the matter. He had no real conviction in the matter. He had piety without convictions. Oh, listen to me. This is a terrible time in Israel's life. This is a terrible time in a sinner's life. This is a terrible time in a saint's experience when God is silent. Because you've had piety with no convictions. I wonder how quickly you would abandon some of the things you say you believe. I wonder how quickly some of us would turn a blind eye to the sins of our neighbors, to the sins of our families, to the sins of our own loved ones and keep silent. Piety without conviction. That's a characteristic of a time when God is silent. Dr. Gill said of these verses that I've tried to preach from this morning, Dr. Gill said, and for Dr. Gill, I thought this was uncharacteristically brief. He simply said, David is compromised. Samuel is dead. And Saul is frenzied. And there's the whole picture. David is compromised. Samuel's dead. And Saul is preaching. Why? Because God is silent. It's time for judgment. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I don't know the Lord's will or the future. But it may be that somebody that's here this morning or somebody that hears this on the internet, on the internet, during a time when God is silent.
And I say to you, you're in a very dangerous place. The enemies of God have already rallied their armies. The heavens are brass. God is not speaking. What's to be done at a time like that? I cannot leave you without a word of counsel. What is to be done, brother, at a time like this? Only one thing can be done. Repent. Isaiah 52 and verse 1. Awake, awake. Put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. The holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye sold yourselves for naught, and ye are redeemed. Ye shall be redeemed without money. Get up, he says. Get up, get up, get up. Shake him off. Throw these bands off. You've been redeemed without money. Hallelujah. Repent. Throw it off. Throw it off. Throw it off. Turn. Turn. There's mercy. Oh, there's been a redemption purchased. And it didn't cost you. It cost the Son of God. Repent. Israel needs deliverance in this text. But God is not speaking. Turn with me, if you will, please, in your hymn book and stand with me. Hymn number 439. Stand with me and sing together 439. Hear, O sinner, mercy hails you. Now with sweetest voice she calls, bids you haste to seek the Savior ere the hand of justice falls. 439, stand with me please. Bid you haste to seek the Savior Ere the hand of justice falls Trust in Jesus, trust in Jesus Till the voice of mercy calls Till the voice of mercy Haste, O sinner, to the Savior, 
see his mercy while you may soon the day of grace is over soon your life will pass away haste to jesus haste to jesus you must perish if you stay you must perish if you stay